Good morning. Thank you all for being here today as we worship. It's a beautiful day outside. And it's Time Change Sunday, so we hope that all of you got enough sleep last night. But I hope you're awake enough to come together this morning as we worship. That's what we're here for. We thank you for being here. If you're a guest with us, uh, would you take that blue card in the uh, uh, pew rack there in front of you and uh, fill that out and uh, put it in the offering plate as we take our offering later on. Uh, We would uh, like to tell you that uh, tonight we will not have evening services. Uh, We challenge you to be the church, to go out as you're able and go out to the areas. If you'll show up at uh, Stephen Street or at the river around 12 o'clock, the uh, Tennessee Baptist Disaster Relief uh, folks will be out at the river. Samaritan's First is uh, uh, at Stephen Street. So our uh, vehicles will be Uh, out there somewhere to transport people to the site. Uh, We've got work gloves. Uh, If you don't have any, uh, we've got work gloves out in the lobby. So uh, if you need to pick pick those up, please do. But we would like to tell you that. Uh, Also, our uh, uh, Man Up conference will be in three weeks. And uh, Friday and Saturday night, we've got uh, a... uh, an exhibit outside here where you can get tickets or uh, we'll have, uh, you can go online and get tickets, but uh, that is in Chronicles this morning, so I urge you to read that and uh, to uh, sign up for that, men. Uh, We uh, have a special rate for college students and for high school students. Uh, It's uh, $12.50, the price for Adults is $25, so that's for two sessions on a Friday and Saturday night. So we're glad you're here this morning. Again, we want to welcome you, and uh, we're going to stand and greet one another. If you don't feel comfortable shaking hands, then you can bump elbows. You can pump fists, uh, whatever. Just don't hurt each other. Uh, So let's stand together and greet one another.
All right, good morning and welcome to worship. We're glad that you're here. It's been a tough week, but the thing that we know through this week, through the chaos and everything, we serve a great God. So let's worship Him this morning and declare His greatness. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken.
Amen. We serve a great and a mighty and a powerful God. Um, Monday night, Tuesday morning, I think many of you know that our, our house was very close to to the tornado path out near Baxter. And, um, you know, in the chaos of the night, as the house was was rumbling and shaking and windows were breaking and you could hear everything hitting the hitting the hitting, hitting the house, um, we were huddled in a closet, my family and I, and we were just we were we were we were the breath in our lungs was was we were asking for God to protect us. Our praise at that moment was acknowledging that He can't protect us. God, protect us. Please save us. Lord Jesus, put your hand protection around us. Those are the prayers that we were praying. Um, and he did. But I know that some people, he didn't. Um, and, I, and I don't really want to say he didn't. God has a purpose in everything, and I don't understand it. I don't think we'll ever know why some of those died uh, and some lived. But the one thing I do know is that those who knew him, who lost their life, they weren't saved in this storm, but they were saved a long time ago, and they're with him now, eternally, and forever. And they worship a, a great God face-to-face now that we worship um, unseen. And uh, that, that, is, that is a great thing. So um, I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm happy to be here. I'm thankful to be here. I don't know if happy is the right word. After the week you've had, but I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful that I get to stand before you again and continue to lead and worship. And um, houses and stuff, whatever is wrong with our house, it'll be fixed. It'll be taken care of. Insurance has got it. It's good. Um, but I'm glad that we can worship the Lord together uh, and sing his praises. Um, that night, we brought in a, a, a couple of families into our house to help them get connected with loved ones. And one had pretty severe injuries. We were trying to treat her. Uh, but as we were doing all that, um, all of a sudden I heard this music playing. Uh, it was it was Christian music. It was I don't even know what it was. I have no idea. Uh, but my son had gone, and gotten a Bluetooth speaker, and hooked his iPod up to it and started playing music. And um, you know, at first it was like, what is, what's he playing that for? But it just brought a sense of peace in the middle of chaos. And it was a really nice thing. It was a great thing to have to be assured that God was still there in the midst of this storm. Um, and, and we're going we're gonna to continue on singing this morning with a set that I picked out a, a month ago. I didn't even know why I picked this music out. I, I looked at it, picked it out, and thought, man, that's kind of a downer Sunday. It's not, there's not that real happy, happy song. But, you know, I think it's where we're at. I think it's where we're at just to reflect on who God is, to reflect on that last song that we serve a great God. And this next song, um, it just talks about the fact that there is a fountain uh, filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and it gives us salvation. So I'm very thankful uh, that, that we have a chance to know him. And I would, I would pray that if there's anybody here that does not know the Lord, uh, let the words of this song minister to you. Listen to them and, and consider it. Consider giving your life to Christ. Um, there will be other things that happen. And you may be one of those ones that doesn't wake up on this earth. But I want you to wake up and see our Savior.
Jesus, I thank you for that fountain of blood that, that, that saved us from our sins. And Lord, there will be a day, um, God, that, that as that last verse, Lord, it talks about the, the, really the, the troubles of even today getting speech out. Um, God, sometimes we just can't get out what we're thinking and what we're feeling. But there will be a day we'll see you face to face, and it'll be so easy uh, to look upon your face and declare uh, how great you are. How righteous you are, how holy you are, how peaceful you are. God, I just pray that as we continue in this service, Lord, to sing this last song, that I know it was, uh, it was a favorite of one of the little boys that passed away. Um, and God, you had me choose it a month ago because uh, you knew it would fit for today. And, and I just thank you for that. And I pray that as we sing this song, Lord, 
that we would be caught up in this song. Lord, that we would be caught up in the song that you are holy and that we are here before you, worshiping you and declaring your greatness. So God may be blessed by the worship that comes from our lips today. In Jesus' name.
holy and a righteous God. A God that we can seek refuge in in times of trouble and times of storms. But God, a, a peaceful God that can give us peace when we really need it. So Lord, this morning as, as we continue in this worship service, Lord, may we worship through, through listening uh, to your word and hearing the message that you have for us today. God, speak to our hearts, change us as we're here before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, church. Daylight savings time. Everybody's awake. Our second service is the most attended today, Mike. (laughs) Well, it is good to be with you this morning. It has been a challenging week for many. Um, our, Our community has just really hurt. Where there's hurt, there is help. Help comes from our Lord. And we come together this morning to worship our risen Savior. I, I was in, we were in small groups a minute ago and we were talking and, and one of the things we said, this is truly not a time for theology of why. This is a, a good time for love of one another. And, and truly we have. We've experienced great hurt. Uh, and and just, there's just a lot that has happened this week, so we love upon one another. I, I, I was reminded as I thought through uh, all of this, and tragedy, the greatest tragedy of all history was at the turning point of history when Jesus Christ died on the cross at Calvary. That was tragic. God's Son died for us, but there was victory in that tragedy. And we find victory even in tragedy. And uh, there, there will be victory through this. We, we will come together. We will love together. We will serve together. We will find strength together. We will grow together. And we will be better together going forward. And my heart does break this morning. does yours. We know people that died. We know people that lost homes. Homes can be rebuilt, but years of memories and things just gone. Um, Those are material are easier to over than the loss of life. But in the midst of great struggle, we come together this morning and we have, even though we struggle, something to celebrate. We are not alone in our struggles. We have a Redeemer. And we have eternal hope. We have joy that even in the midst of trial and struggle, we have hope. We have a future. And we, as, as Greg said, that, that song we sang, we, we sang, uh, it was a little boy's favorite song. And, and it was requested that we sing those, 
that song, Holy, 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 in church this morning. And it was really cool how God had already orchestrated that in our hearts. And, uh, and, and that was part of our worship set. And it's, it is really cool that God had already orchestrated for us to come together around the Lord's Supper this morning. There's nothing better than coming together and, and we see where Jesus brought his people together. He brought his disciples together around a table. Uh, and, and he spent time with them. He shared from his heart with them. He loved them. He equipped them, prepared them for what lie ahead for them. And, and that's what we do today. We come together and we, we bring our hearts together around a table together. And we talk about the presence of God. Now, our church is journeying, and I know there's some guests here today, and I am so grateful God has brought you with us this morning to worship. Um, there, there is a process we've been walking through, and we're reading the, the Bible chronologically, and, and we're reading it together. We're studying it in every one of our, our service times and, and our venues, and, and, and we're just we're studying God's Word. So we have read over the last couple of weeks, we have read a lot about sacrifice. And we've read a lot. There's been a lot of blood spilled in the pages we've read. Um, we, we've read a lot of that. We've read a lot about the tabernacle. And, and I want to point our attention this morning to Numbers chapter 9. And I want us to look at the very presence of God and how the presence of God was evident in the Old Testament. And I want to connect that to the New Testament. And I want to connect that to our hearts right here today. So if you've turned to Numbers chapter 9, if you would uh, join me and stand, we'll read beginning in verse 15, and we'll read 15 through 18. The Word of God says, Now on the day that the tabernacle was erected, the cloud covered the tabernacle. The tent of the testimony and in the evening it was like the appearance of fire over the tabernacle until morning. So it was continuously. The cloud would cover it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was lifted from over the tent, afterwards the sons of Israel would then set out in the place where the cloud settled down. There the sons of Israel would camp. At the command of the Lord... The sons of Israel would set out, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the clouds settled over the tabernacle, they remained camped. Father, we come before you this morning, and we're grateful, God, that we can. That we have the privilege to come and worship this morning and spend time with you. And allow you, Lord, to restore our hearts, encourage us and strengthen us. God, I pray that you'll... Reveal to us all that we need revealed in our life, individually and corporately, God, that you'll speak to us, that your word will penetrate our hearts. It will direct us, Father. It'll give us focus. It'll lead us as we're reminded, God, of your presence. You've appointed a time this morning for us to gather. I pray, God, you'd anoint me with your word to speak it for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. God made a covenant with His people. He had made a covenant that He would carry them to a land that He promised them. 
God is good for His promises. When God makes a promise, God delivers on that promise. There's, there's never been a promise that God promised that He has not delivered on, except for God promised that He would return, and we await His return. And we'll, we'll see God return one day for His church. So as we look at this text this morning, we see that the presence of God was physically, very visibly, among the Israelite nation. Now, we see that. We see that Moses was raised up to be a leader by God, to lead the people of God, and, and he dealt with them. He dealt with them on a lot of levels, but we can read and see a lot of places where Moses was frustrated with the leadership. Uh, they, he, he led a bunch of people that they couldn't get their sights off of Egypt and set their sights on the journey that God had them going on. They, they continue to look back at, at Egypt. They, they said stuff like, you know, when we were back there, we had plenty to eat. What would you do, Moses, bring us out here to die? I mean, we had plenty to drink back there. Right here, we're, we're, we have no water. You bring us out here to thirst to death. God had a plan for the Israelite people. He had a leader. He would promised them a land, and he was going to lead them to that land. And, and in the process of leading them to carry them to the place that God had for them, he established a tabernacle, a place for his presence, and a place for worship. So we read through the how the tabernacle was to be built and, and all the intricacies of the tabernacle. Did you kind of think at times we're never going to get through this building? I mean, there's a lot of detail. A lot of detail about the tabernacle. And what that tells me is, it tells me several things, but I want to highlight one thing. It tells me God is a very intricate God. He is very detail-oriented. I mean, nothing's getting by him. He's being very specific as he's prescribing this tabernacle, this place which would be a, a place where he would come, a place where he would gather his people. So it was important that God lay this out so specifically as he brings his people together and his presence falls on this tabernacle. When it's constructed, that's where we are. When the tabernacle was constructed, God didn't just look back and look down and say, wow, that's pretty cool. That's exactly what I told you to do. No, God inhabited that place. God came down and physically where they could see it very visibly in a cloud during the day that was seen and at night by a fire that was very visible. So he was, he illuminated the darkness. So we see that God came down in a very specific way and and, and he told the people, he said, this is for worship. This is a place where you come and worship because my presence is there. And also, we're not going to go through it all, but if you walk through the tabernacle, it's very specific, moving to God. It, it leads the people to God. And there's a specific way that you enter. There's a, there's a sacrifice that has to be made. Why? Because the Israelite people were sinful. Now, did y'all pick up on the fact they continually sinned? They messed up. I mean, over and over. I'm so glad we're past that, right? I'm glad we're past all the blood sacrifices for all the sin. But, but we still mess up. We still sin. We, we have sin in our life. They had sin in their life. They disappointed God. And, and so do we. So we see that God was a very specific God in the place that He would reside for them to worship, but also in the way that they would come to worship. 
that there was a there was a sacrifice required for their sin, and they sinned, and they they spilled a lot of blood. I mean, there were animals upon animals upon animals that were slain for their sin. So we see that that the presence of God was there, and and I want to I want to show you because God's leading them, God's carrying the. Israelite nation. He's, he's carrying them somewhere. And he, he promised them he'd carry them to the promised land. So he is on the way. He's carrying them. And as, as the cloud would settle on this tabernacle, they would stay. But when the cloud rose, well, that was a good sign for them to get ready. We're moving out today, guys. So they would pack everything up. I'm sure it took a while to pack all those poles, pack all those, those drapes, pack everything up, get all the, the articles of the tab- tabernacle just so, get it all together. And move out. And, and two, it's kind of hard to move with a million or so people. Um, get them all going in the same direction. It's like herding cats probably sometimes. But Moses had to get all these folks going in the right direction, get them moving. But God would rise and, in the cloud and he would lead and they would follow. And God led them all the way to the promised land, to the borders of the promised land. And they looked upon it and they chose not to follow God. Which was a grave mistake for them. So we, we see that God cares about the people. He, he longs to be with them because it says, Now in the day that the tabernacle was erected, a cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony. And, and I want to just point that out. It was a testimony. It was a testimony of His presence. It was also a testimony to the people of the world that God resided here. It was, it was something that people could look at, physically look upon God's care and concern for the people, His desire to be with them, His desire to eradicate the sin and, and, and do away with the sin that was in their life. It was a testimony of who he was. Very intricate in its detail. It said, and, and the tent of testimony, and in the evening it was like the appearance of fire over the tabernacle until morning. So it was, get this in verse 16, so it was continuously. The presence of God was continually with the Israelite people. It wasn't based, it wasn't that God said, you know, my presence will be here as long as you guys act right. As long as you boys and girls are doing everything like I tell you to, I'll be here. No, God's presence was there continually. God longs to be with His people. There is something that separates us from God, and that is our sin. Our sin separates us from a holy God. Because a holy God doesn't mix with sin. So something has to be done. So God prescribed the sacrifice of animals and the blood to be shed so that it would cleanse them from their unrighteousness. It would cover their sin. Where there is no blood applied, sin is not forgiven. But where the blood is applied, sin is forgiven. And covered. So we see that God's very specific. He wants to be with His people. He longs to be with them. And the, He's continually with them. He's not just there circumstantially. He's not just there occasionally. He is there continually. That's something we really need to focus in on. The continual presence of God. And we see that in the Old Testament. 
God desires to be with us. And it wasn't just in the Old Testament. I want to invite you to turn with me in your your Bibles to John chapter 1. And I want to catch some history and I want to walk into a a present reality that was for the, the Jews and the Gentiles. Well past this date of when Moses was leading the people, we see that the Gospel writer John is, is capturing the life of an individual. And, and we see in John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I just want to pause there and think back about the tabernacle. What happened at night? Fire. There was light in the darkness. The fire, the the, the cloud that descended in the day illuminated at night and illuminated the darkness. And and it says, and darkness, light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I, I think the Israelites missed a lot. It's easy for me to be a day after quarterback. You know, they're always good at it, telling what play should have been played. These guys missed it. They, they missed, I mean, how did they miss the plagues, the power of God? How, how did they miss the hand of God separating an ocean for them to walk through? How, how did they miss the provision of quail that was three foot deep? Well, okay, somewhere near that, 32 inches deep. How did they miss all of that? I was in a village uh, a week and a half ago or so on the other side of the world, and we walked in this village, and I've never understood the plague of flies. I've just never, I mean, I've understood that, yes, there was a bunch of flies, until I entered that village. It's the only one like it in my entire life. There were flies everywhere. I looked down at one time, and I could not tell what color my shoes were because of the flies that were covering them. Now, that doesn't wig you out. Not much is today. Everything had flies on it. I had flies all in my hair crawling down my neck, and I'm trying to deliver the gospel. I thought having gnats in Georgia was bad. Flies on the other side of the world were worse. I don't know how these boys and girls forgot that. I've not forgotten. I don't think I'll ever forget those flies. And that wasn't the plague of flies. We're nowhere near it. But they forgot those things. They forgot the mighty hand of God. There came a man, verse 6, sent from God, whose name was John. And he came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Those that were born of God, he gave the right to be 
they're the heirs and joint heirs adopted into the family. And that's what John's telling us about. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This is He of whom I said... He who comes after me is a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For in his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Christ Jesus. See, Jesus came to this earth, fully God, fully man. He came down to this earth, and he dwelt among us. He, the word there is tabernacled. He, he tabernacled among us. He pitched his tent. He lived with us. He, he lived with the Jews and the Gentiles. He, he did miraculous things. He was physically, visibly present day and night. He came down to this earth. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And came to this earth, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, tells us that God raised him above every other name on this earth. His name is Jesus. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 14 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing was made that wasn't made by Him. The Word made it all. Jesus was involved in everything. And, and just like the presence of God came down and the Israelites saw the presence of God on the tabernacle in a cloud by day and a fire by night, Jesus came down and He tabernacled among us. Just like God had prescribed very intricately the only way in through the tabernacle to receive the the place of the Holy of Holies, and be forgiven of all sin, Jesus is the only way for our sins to be forgiven. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus came and tabernacled among us so that we could see him. Now, now you and I didn't get to see him. We have, we have this historical figure that we understand and Scripture re talks about and that we understand from Scripture. And, and then he says, I'm going to leave you. And from where I came, I'm going to return. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit of God to dwell inside of you. So now we have the indwelling God. Living in us. So we have God the Father who came down as a cloud and during the day and a pillar of fire by night. We have the Son of God who came down and dwelt among us and the Jews and the Gentiles got to walk with and see and understand. And He was the only way to be saved. And now we have the Holy Spirit of God that lives within all who have called upon the name of the Lord. The Spirit of God is God living in us. And He tabernacles with us. And this tent, which is the place where the Spirit of God lives, it won't always be here because I'll lay this tent aside and I'll go and live with God eternally 
And that offer has been made to every single person in this world. That the God who dwelt in the Old Testament, numbers we read about coming down to the tabernacle, came down to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now he's come down to us in the form of the Holy Spirit, and we can reside with him forever, and he with us. The Israelites couldn't see that journey. They couldn't get their eyes off Egypt to see the Holy Land, the Promised Land, the place that God was leading them. God is leading us to a personal relationship with Him. But if we keep our eyes set on Egypt, we'll miss the glory of God. You know, Jesus sat with his disciples, and he set a table at the Passover. All of this Old Testament they understood was a a, a physical picture of what was to come and the spiritual sense of what Jesus was sitting before them. They didn't know what he knew, but he knew that he would become that sin offering for all mankind. He would be the sacrifice. It would be just a short period of time before he stretched his arms from east to west and he hung on a cross between heaven and earth and he shed his blood as the final atonement for my sin and yours. And he would say, it is finished. It is finished. And, and he knew when he was sitting with his men that night in that room gathered around that table that they had a Passover meal before them. They had juice and they had bread. And it was traditional for them to share that. He said, I'm going to take this up a notch, guys. Hold on. Listen to me. I'm going to break this bread and I'm going to pass this cup. And you're going to eat of this bread and you're going to drink of this cup. And going forward, after the next period of days, when you watch and see and and, you, and the dust clears and you, you're able to realize what just happened. You're going to do this again. And next time you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. You take this body and you remember my body is going to be put on that cross for you. My body is going to be offered up to bear your sin and your shame and your sorrow And my blood is going to be spilled to cover your sin once and for all. The spotless Son of God, the final atonement for sin is going to be made. I'm going to cover your sin. So when you drink of this juice in the future, though juice is just juice, but when you drink of it, you remember the blood that's applied. You remember what I did for you. And when you eat this bread, you remember the body that was put on that cross for you. I'm going to go do for you what you can't do for yourself. I'm going to make it right with the Holy God. And then all who call upon me and all who look upon me for salvation, I'll extend the grace and I'll reveal the truth. That's what he said. That's what John says that 
Jesus, when he dwelt among us, brought grace and truth. Moses brought a law. Jesus brought the grace and the truth. He said, all that call upon me for salvation will receive grace and they'll have truth. In a moment, we're going we're gonna to spend time together. We're going to take those trays and we're going to pass them out among everybody that would like to participate. I just ask you that if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've surrendered your life to Him, that you would participate with us. If you've not given your life to Jesus, I would ask you, don't, don't take this and think that's going to save you. There's one way to salvation. It's not a substance that saves you. It's our Savior that saves you. You don't call on a substance. You call on a Savior. So you call upon Him and you ask Him to save you. And then we have a substance to remind us. As simple as that. I don't want to exclude anybody from taking if they're in the right place. But I want us to also analyze our life. Are we, are we able to remember what Jesus did for us? If we've been saved, we can remember. If we've not been saved, we don't have a memory of what he did for us. But today, we can begin the, that, that, that journey of remembering what he did. Because today is the day of salvation. This is a day that is afforded to you as an opportunity to ask Jesus to save you. And we can do that right now. It's so simple. This is not complex. You know, there were people that, I, that we walked the streets with, we lived life with last Sunday that aren't here today. And the same will be true of this week. There will be people, people are dying. In Tennessee, the death rate's 100%. At some point in time, we all die unless Jesus comes back. That is a nationwide statistic too, okay? It's not just Tennessee, so don't move. I'm trying to make light of something. Y'all look real heavy there. I just wanted to help you up just a little bit. So in, our, in, in light of that, we may not have this afternoon. We may not have tomorrow. Jesus brings the gospel to us so we can yield our life to him. We can know the truth that he's offered to set us free from the bondage of sin and death. And we can give him our life faithfully trusting him as Lord and Savior. You may live a long life, and if you live it with Jesus, praise God. The saddest reality would be that you would reject Jesus and live it without Him and not know the power of the resurrected Christ in your life. So I just want to offer you the opportunity today. Not, and it's not me trying to save you. Jesus has extended an offer to you. He says, all that call upon me shall be saved. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I trust that you are the only Son of God, that you're the only way to heaven. I trust that you know my sin, and I ask you to forgive me of that sin. And I ask you to save me by your grace and by your glorious power. And I ask that you would lead me, that I would surrender my will to your will for the rest of my life to live for you. And a prayer prayed in faith similar to that, not those words, but any words around that, that you understand Jesus is Lord and you're a sinner and you're separated from him. You ask him to forgive you, he'll save you. And you can have life new today. And then we can share the Lord's Supper and it's a remembrance of what he's done for us. So I just want to invite you to that. And you know, just 
for us, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to say right now we can have a time of invitation right after that prayer. And if you gave your life to Jesus today, the, what I would ask you to do is come forward and let us know so we can celebrate that because heaven celebrates any time one person gets saved. So if heaven's celebrating on earth, I'd like to join in with that, okay? And we just want to celebrate with you, want to walk with you, want to encourage you, want to strengthen you and be with you. That's all it is. And if there's another decision you need to make today, we want to do that as well. And after that time of invitation, at that moment, we'll share the Lord's Supper together. So if you will stand with me, I'm going to pray for us and let's move as God leads. Father, thank you for the time to be with you this morning, the privilege to hear the gospel, the good news. Know that you are a present God. You want to be with us. You long for us. You've, you've opened up the opportunity. All of the resources of heaven have been, been released, God, to save sinners. Thank you for that, Jesus. I pray, Father, that as we enter this time of invitation, you'd move in our hearts. Let us be faithful to respond to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We're up front for you this morning as ministers. The altars are open. You come pray. You come talk to us. We're here for you.
I've asked uh, our deacons to come forward this morning, and we're going to share communion with you. Pray your hearts in tune, and you're ready for this time as we commune with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll pass these plates this morning, and, and in, in the stack there's two, two cups stacked together. One with juice and one with bread. So if you grab both of them, and I'm going to tell you, if you squeeze real hard, you're not going to get them apart. <laughs> so if you just handle them real easy, they'll come right apart. We'd love for you to share communion with us in that way. I'm going to ask the deacons to stand. And when they've, they've uh, shared the elements with everybody, well, they're going to return back up front. And um, I'll lead you in partaking of the communion time.
night, that special night when Jesus was with His men. They were gathered in that upper room together. And they were celebrating a Passover feast. Jesus took bread and He broke it. As He broke that bread, He shared it with His men. And He told them, this bread represents my body. They, they did not see it fully then. I hope we see it more fully now. This is representative of his body being broken for us. He blessed it, as will we. Father, thank you so much. Lord, our hearts are forever indebted to you. No king ever stepped off their throne and died for their, their people but you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, letting your body be put on that cross and mistreated and mishandled by the ones you created. Thank you for not staying in that tomb, Jesus. God, thank you for raising him from the dead, defeating death given us hope of eternal life with you and uh, Lord when we take this we can't help but think of your body and how our sin our shame our suffering was laid on you thank you Jesus and it's in your name Jesus we pray amen he said take eat do this in remembrance of me Likewise, he took the cup, passed it among his men, and they drank from it. He blessed it too. Father, we thank you for the shed blood, your blood shed on the cross for our sins. We know that there's no forgiveness of sin apart from blood being shed because that's the way you instituted it in the garden, and you've been consistent throughout all time. Thank you, Jesus for being that final atonement for our sin and shedding your blood for us. We, we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Good day, guys. Hey, um... We, uh, I want to tell you that we had a couple join this morning, uh, Jeremy and Katie joined in our first service, and uh, Moffitt, Jeremy and Katie Moffitt joined, they're a young couple, and uh, we're grateful, He'll be, he will be baptized next Sunday, so you'll meet Jeremy, if you come to the early service, you'll meet him, if you're not, um, you'll catch him in the, in the halls, you'll see a picture of him, and he and his wife, but grateful for them. Uh, we have a lot of guests with us today. And I'm very grateful that God led you to worship with us today. And if there's anything we can do uh, to minister to you in a certain way, uh, that's what we'd love to do. Um, you know, a lot of people are affected by the storm. Loss of life was great and touched many of us. Uh, also loss of home and property. You know, we, we can pray for, encourage, strengthen those that lost life, uh, the families that lost life that are left. 
um, and just love and encourage them through the days to come. And that's where the church is the body of Christ. We go out and we love and encourage. There's also some physical needs in, in our town. And there are people asking me. I'm getting calls from states away from folks that I know and folks I don't know who want to help. And I've been asked, how can we help? I said, please don't bring water. We're good with water. We've got enough to float the Titanic, which is good. We needed water. But um, also there's some other goods that have come in, and I think we're, we're doing well on, on physical goods. Um, those things seem to be in the right order as best we can, and we've still got to understand how we get those to people. So we'll need to call upon you in the days to come to help us distribute those, those goods. I've told people, money helps right now restore some order to the chaos as far as working towards building homes, rebuilding homes. I, I told one guy, he said, I'm bringing water. I said, if it's not a truckload of two-by-fours and plywood, keep it in Georgia, please, because that's what we need. But gift cards or either monetary assistance, we have a fund set up here at First Baptist uh, where you can write disaster relief, tornado victim, anything like that, and it'll come to it'll come to the church and it will be distributed uh, with integrity to those that have need. Um, we are looking for folks that have need. Uh, our association, the, Hep, uh, the uh, Stone Association, is also has a fund that's set up. Bank of Putnam County has a fund that's set up. There may be other places that you know of. But I would be careful where you put those funds to make sure that it's not a scam. Unfortunately, there are people who will scam in situations like this, and uh, we just pray for them. Um, I, I met a, a decorated vet today that's here with us, and he lost his home completely. Um, you know, when, when there's somebody my age or younger lost their home, that's a big hit, but we can pull up our boots and we can go back to work and get it done. But when there's a, one of our senior adults or a single mom, or someone of special need who is lost, uh, our heart breaks even greater, and we want to help and be a part of that. So as you see opportunity and resources, if you will, let us know. We'll be glad to help you put those in the right place. Even Greg lost two vehicles in, the, in this, and his house is damaged. Not sure exactly to the extent of that yet. But um, so other than that, though, in our church body, we don't know of anybody so help us identify if there's a need beyond uh, what I understand, and uh, we want to serve and work together to accomplish that. This afternoon, we, we have postponed or we've just canceled all of our services tonight because the church can come and study, and we can. There's, there's, that is good. We need to do that, but we need to serve. I, I would just ask you as the pastor uh, of, of the church, the senior pastor of the church, to consider if you're capable of going out and serving through Samaritan's Purse or through Tennessee uh, Baptist Disaster Relief. Tennessee Baptist Disaster Relief is housed at the River Community Church. They'll be going out from there. And Samaritan's Purse is housed at Stephen Street, so they'll be going out from there. Our buses are being used at those locations to carry people, and you have to have, be on a bus. You have to be registered to go and serve. You can't just say, I'm going to drive my car and go serve. Go through those two channels, um, if you will, please, and let's go and serve and be the community of Jesus. The hands be, and, and look, be very sensitive to look for an opportunity to love somebody in a very special way today. I, I just pray God give discernment upon you 
and a heart that would just love and encourage somebody today. So that, that would be my request of you. If you're capable of going and serving today, let's go be the church, not just come to church. Okay? And um, other than that, I'm grateful you're here today. I'd ask you to stand with me. Um, oh, we got to do an offering. Yeah, here we're going to do an offering. I'm sorry. Sit back down just one minute. Look at me. I didn't want to take up money. <laughs> Oh, God, I thank you that we can, in fact, sense and see and touch your presence. And, Father, in light of this week's happening that, as Pastor Scott had said, may we as a church and individually go and be the hands and feet of Christ. But, Father, may we also learn that we need to do this each and every day, not just after a tragic event, but that we would be your hands and feet each and every day. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. He came, He died. And he arose. And he paid for my sin and for your sin. Now, Father, may we give in furtherance of your kingdom. And as always, Father, forgive us where we fail you. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.